Are you ready to inject a little punk rock DIY ethos into your indie author career? Join me, best-selling author Steph Green, for the Rage Against the Manuscript podcast, where we're going to explore how to tell your story, find your readers, and build a badass author brand. For more info, check out our website at www.rageagainstthemanuscript.com. Hey writers, it's Steph here again for another episode of the Rage Against the Manuscript podcast. It is a little bit freezing cold up here today and I'm supposed to go outside and feed all the animals, but I thought before I did that and braved the cold, I would record this podcast episode for you. So at least I could be like, I've done something today. So today we're going to be talking about the branding mistakes that authors make. So I personally believe that branding is quite important if you are looking to, you know, build kind of build a career as an author, or you know, you're looking to expand your readership, or you know, you're you're sort of really looking to kind of uh, to kind of build an audience. Um, if you are writing and self-publishing because you just love, you know, it, it's more of a hobby for you, and you just you've got books and you're going to put them out and it doesn't matter if people read them or not you know that's not if that's not part of the equation for you then this is going to be less important but if you I think if you are looking to you know to to do to do anything in the kind of professional capacity then you really got to think about branding now luckily branding is sort of one of those things where once you've once you've kind of sussed it you know you you've sort of sussed it for good you know, you don't really have to keep like re going over the same stuff over and over again. Um, you've just got to, you know, you've just got to make sure that moving forward, you you know, you keep the things in mind um, that are working. So the first thing we're going to do is we're just going to run over quickly what actually is a brand. And my belief is that the brand is the promise that you make to your readers. Now, branding is reader-defined, so it's not author-defined. And what I mean by this is that you can say what your brand is to the to the cows come home, um, or the sheep come home. In my uh, my case, uh, so you can say what your brand is. You can say my brand is I don't know. My brand is like fun, romantic comedies. And you can say that's what your brand is, and you can you know do all sorts of things to to make that your brand. But if your books are actually not um, romantic comedies, or that you know you think they're romantic comedies, but they actually don't make anyone laugh, um, this is a horrible example. Uh, yeah, if you if you're writing romantic comedies, but they're not funny, then your brand to readers is going to be, oh, she's the, the one who writes the romantic comedies that aren't funny. Um, yeah, she writes the non-funny romantic comedies, and that is your brand. And that's what I mean by your brand being reader-defined. What I mean by the promise to your readers. So when readers pick up books, they want a certain experience. You know, we've only got a certain amount of time in the day where we can dedicate to reading and we want to get a certain experience out of that reading 
Now, as authors, we tend to be more eclectic in our reading tastes. So we tend to read, we often reread a, a wide range of genres. Um, we often read like quite a, you know, quite a mix of fiction and non-fiction. Um, you, you know, we often also read like quite a mix of like literary and genre fiction. Now, readers in general, and readers especially in the the genres that um, are quite big in self-publishing, they have different reading habits in that they tend to have one genre that they stick to. And often, and sometimes they have one very specific sort of sub-niche within that genre that they, that they stick to. So, um, so they don't just want you know, humorous rom-coms, they want a very specific type of rom-com, so they might want rom-coms, so, for example, when I read rom-coms, I only want rom-coms set in England, or with with English um, protagonists, and, and, and that is mainly because um, I tend to find English humour funnier than um, American humour, which is a whole other topic which we should talk about one day, about, about humour. But anyway, so, sub-niche within the niche. And the reason that they they choose books like this is because they want this really specific reading experience. So, you know, they don't just, you know, they sit down and they're like, I don't just want an urban fantasy today. I really want urban fantasies with vampires. I don't want any werewolves. I don't want any ghosts. I want vampire urban fantasy. And so they turn to authors who have a, who have a brand that they know are going to deliver on what they want. And so this is what I mean by the promise to your readers, is that readers need to be able to look at your brand or talk about your brand and say, this is the chick who writes the vampire urban fantasy well this is a chick she writes um really funny romantic comedies and they're set in england or they're set in paris or whatever and the more defined you make this experience the more loyal your audience is going to be because they know that each time they they turn to you they're going to get this you know exactly the experience that they're after and there's a, an author that I talk about a lot who does this exceptionally well and that's Darcy Coates and Darcy Coates writes horror she writes a very specific type of horror so she doesn't just write you know horror books randomly all around she writes haunted house horror and often people call them haunted house light and the reason they call them that is because the books tend to have like a, like a happy ending and they're not very gory they're more they sort of the more rely on that kind of creeping slightly gothic style of horror and Darcy, you know, although all her books are standalones, she brands all the books as if they're almost part of a series. Um, and she's exceptionally clever. And so anytime you're like, I really want a book that's got that kind of creeping horror vibe, but it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to disturb me too much. Um, they go, oh, well, I'll go see if Darcy Coates has got anything new. So that's what I mean. The more defined you make that experience, the more loyal your audience is going to be. And this is because of push, what we, what we call in marketing, push-pull marketing. You don't have to know that term, but you just sort of have to understand how this works. And basically it works um, by 
when you market, instead of trying to appeal to absolutely everybody, what you're trying to do is pull towards you all the people that absolutely 100% can't get enough of, totally want your thing, and you're trying to push away all the other people who are kind of like medium about the thing, or they hate the thing. They're like, eh, don't know about the thing, or they're like, blah, don't even want the thing. So you're trying to pull towards you people who definitely want the thing and push away everybody else. And you're ending up pushing away a lot more people than you're pulling towards you, but the people that you pull towards you are super, super loyal, and they're the people that get super excited about the thing, and they're like, oh my god, the thing! And that is... You know, that's how you sell books. And this is especially how you sell books as an indie author, as a self-published author. Now, niches, um, by which we mean sort of not just a genre, so not just rom-com, not just urban fantasy, but a niche within those genres, a specific small section of the market. This is where indies rule. And to remind you of a thing that I say all the time, which is that an indie success story, a self-publishing success story, can be a traditional publishing failure. So if one of us sell 3,000 books to a niche audience at $3.99 US, let's say, we're going to make around $10,000. And that's $10,000 that's going to go straight into your pocket. Now, if a traditional publisher sold 3,000 books, that might be a complete failure to them. That's quite a small number of books for a big publishing house. And, you know, you know probably making low generalizations here, but probably for a big publishing house, their minimum kind of um, print run is going to be around 10,000 books. So for them to only sell 3,000 books of that, that print run, like that's not, that's not really great. So that might be a failure to them. You know, and really they want to sell like 20,000 books. Um, or, you know, 100,000 books or whatever. So this 3,000 books, that can be uh, a massive failure to them. But for us, that's like 10 grand in our pockets. And, you know, once you think a bit of books like that, and you think, well, you know, if I'm the kind of author who I can write like five books a year, you can see how indie authors can quite easily, easily, but, you know, how indie authors can build a, a sustainable career, you know, with a decent income, just by serving a niche, writing the books that they want to read, doing it over and over and over again, uh, and doing it, you know, sort of faster than, uh, than traditional publishing. So this is why branding is so important because branding is like the little headlight, the little lantern in the dark that um, captures readers, that points them towards you and says, I'm going to give you that experience. I am the author that's serving your niche. Um, come at me. So now that we've talked about branding, uh, what, what are some of the branding mistakes that I see authors making all the time? Now, there are three branding mistakes, um, and, you know, I could make a list of, like, ten of them, but really they come under sort of three main headings. And this first one is probably the biggest one um, that I see uh, indie authors making. And this is diluting your brand with lots of different offerings. Now, we've just talked about, you know, what is brand? Brand is promise to your readers, um, and you're promising a certain experience every time they pick up one of your books. If you then 
start giving all kinds of different types of experiences, uh, then readers don't know what to expect. And the promise that you make to them starts, you know, stops being, you're going to get this specific experience and starts being, well, you don't know the fuck you're going to get. And that's, um, that's a, a really quick way to turn off readers. Now, so, so this, when we talk about this dilution, what we're usually talking about is authors who are trying to write lots of different genres under one pen name. Um, the other way that this could manifest is if you if you're trying to target too broad an audience, if you're trying to brand yourself for a really broad audience, and you're not um, you're not focusing on that push pull marketing where you're trying to like push away the people who are kind of mediocre about things and pull the people who are super enthusiastic. Um, you know, you're not going balls to the wall with your brand and with your readers and with niche. Um, and that's another way that this manifests, but the main way that this manifests is authors who are just, you know, they have a name and they're just throwing up kind of everything that they, they're excited about and interested in, which is awesome if your goal is just to, you know, see your books in print. But if you're trying to build a career out of this, you've got to think a bit more strategically because every time you do something that is outside of you know that brand experience um you are you know you're making life harder on yourself so every time you do that you need to think really carefully um about how you're going to do it um about how it's going to be branded um about how you're gonna you know how you're going to work with your your audience um and this might mean so this might mean for example um that you have a second pen name and you have you know you have so you have new pen names for the different genres that you write and this is a really common thing uh that authors do and it's very it's very sensible way to um to brand your you know the, the different things that you're going to do so very sensible thing to do um however also can be annoying because you know now you've got to run two pen names, you've got to have like two Facebook pages, blah blah blah. Um, other things that authors do um, is that they use the sort of the series branding to kind of brand um, their you know their different interests under one name, um, and this is less effective than you know branding under multiple pen, pen names. And the reason for that is because um, largely because of algorithms. Um, it's because, you know, if you have a pen name that is urban fantasy, let's say, um, and so all your books are being shown on Amazon, they've been recommended to other, um, to, to readers who have also read other urban fantasy books, Amazon knows you as an urban fantasy author. If you suddenly start publishing epic fantasy, you're confusing the algorithms because now you're trying to get your epic fantasy series you know, in front of people who like epic fantasy but not necessarily urban fantasy. And so what ends up happening is you end up you end up kind of confusing and diluting all that good kind of algorithm that you've your algorithm juice, if you will, that you've built. Um, but there is one way to, to do things, and it's a decision that you need to make personally as, you know, as 
yourself um, and it's going to differ via genre and you know what you're thinking about you know of you know different niches and things so you know for example if your name is you know an urban fantasy pen name and you've got you know 20 urban fantasy vampire books and you decide to write you, know, you want to write werewolves then you know you probably don't need to do that under a new pen name like those things are you know, are close enough that you know the algorithms aren't gonna have a fit. The second branding mistake is not keeping your eye on the market and on your brand and on your niche. So as an author who is running a business, you need to know what is happening in your industry so that you can respond to it. Um, you know, there's no point like burying your head in the sand and going, well, this is what I'm doing and it doesn't matter. You know, nothing out there matters. This is my plan. I'm going to stick to it. Because, you know, the big advantage of being an indie is that we can we can get, we can write things, we can get things out relatively quickly um, and we can respond to the market much quicker than traditional publishers. And so... As part of that, it means that you know one of the big advantages that you have is obviously this ability to, to pivot and to, to change up the things that you're doing and to make really smart decisions. So, damn it, you're going to take advantage of that. So what this usually means is keeping an eye on the bestseller lists that you care about. So usually those lists are going to be the Amazon categories that you that you post in and the Amazon bestseller lists for your niche and your genre. But if you're wide, if you're a wide author, you might have so lists on Apple or Kobo or the other platforms that you, you know that you earn a lot on. Um, and they may be more of interest to you. But keeping an eye on these lists and, and just seeing what are readers, you know, what are readers reading at the moment and what, you know, what's trending up, what's trending down, you know, in my own genre, paranormal romance, you know, things are a bit in flux at the moment, but what we're seeing is a lot of like a lot of interest in fae stories, um, a lot of interest in things that have to do with like royalty. It, yeah, it's really interesting. And but I only know that because I spend time looking at the bestseller lists. So another thing that this means um, is something I really recommend that you do is choose say 10 or 20 authors, say 10 or so, who are absolutely rocking your genre and your niche. And so these are the people that anytime someone says, I want to, you know, I want to read a book um, that's exactly like this, these are the authors that people recommend. These are the guys at the at the top. And you should always choose indie authors um, because traditional publishing works in such a different way. Anyway, so choosing these 10 or so authors who are absolutely rocking your genre and your niche. And these are going to be your, your kind of market indicators. So you're going to follow these guys really carefully. You're going to follow them on social media. You're going to sign up to their newsletters. You're going to get all their jams and you know listen to any interviews that they're that they're doing on podcasts and things like that but yeah you're gonna follow these guys like crazy stick to them like glue and what you're gonna do is you're gonna look at what they're doing look at the books that they're choosing to write you know look at what their next projects are gonna be you know how long are their series how long are they doing their series um what are the updates that they're making um you know often authors will redo their covers and and, and things like that and chop and change things. Um, so look at you know what they're doing, what they're doing there. Why are they doing it? 
um, look at the collaborations that they're involved in. Um, look at the way that they're advertising and you know how they're using platforms like Facebook, all those kind of things. And you know, studying these ten authors will help or is another way to help you see trends and things. And also it can be a really clever way to kind of see things that they've seen. So if you're keeping an eye on, on the, the top ten peeps and the top ten peeps are all doing, you know, a certain type of series next or they're you know, they're all doing only like duets or something like that, then you might start to go, well, maybe that's you know, maybe this is an idea for me. And you may be able to be number eleven with um with an interesting book, um, new book to market. So yeah, so keeping an eye on the market um is a very good way to make sure that your branding remains up to date and that you you know, yeah, you've got it all sussed. And the third mistake that uh, I see authors making is amateur packaging. So this means that maybe you do know, you know, you do know exactly what your brand is, you know exactly what the promise that you're making to, to readers are, or the promise that you want to make to your readers. But your packaging, the way you've put, you know, all the sort of external bits and bobs that go together to build the message of your brand in the reader's mind are not working. And so that means that the, you know, as we talked about, the brand is a reader defined, not author defined. And the the message that the readers are receiving from your packaging is very different from the message that you want them to be receiving. And usually this is because, you know, yeah, because we don't know what we don't know. And sometimes people don't know that their packaging is a bit shite. So usually this comes from using um, like handmade cover art, like homemade cover art um, that just sends the wrong message. Like, you know, to you it might look really good, um, but to the reader it says this is an amateur self-published book and it's not going to be very enjoyable to read. Um, or, you know, another thing uh, that's quite common is, you know, you might have sort of quality problems with the actual writing, you know, it's not, not well edited, um, maybe it's it's really slow to start, maybe it's a, English as a second language, um, yeah, maybe it's just it's just not up to snuff. And if that comes out in reviews, then when readers go to look at your your page, they see those those reviews pointing out the editing and they go, well this doesn't sound like a very fun book to read. Um, another thing is um, Sometimes it's pricing strategy, and this is very genre dependent. But sometimes you could have absolutely stunning cover, perfectly branded. You could have a great book. You could have a really enticing blurb. Um, but if you couple that together with often with a, as a new author, but with a book that's priced way too low then readers look at that and go, well, why am I paying 99 cents for this book? It must be because it's kind of crap. And if you then couple that with other problems like um, sort of um, amateur looking covers or any kind of problems in the book, and, and it just it sends the wrong message. 
So again, this is really uh, genre-dependent, niche-dependent, because in some genres, 99 cents is a really common pricing strategy, and readers don't see a correlation between price and quality, but in other genres they do. And so this comes again from uh, number two um, that, we, that we discussed, which is about studying your market and figuring out where people are pricing and you know, kind of matching them. Um, other things um, that can be part of this sort of amateur packaging is like really shitty author websites. It's kind of less important because people tend to go to your website if they've already read your book and they want to find out more information about you. They don't tend to be like trawling your website, you know, that people don't, readers don't trawl websites to look for new authors. So they, so it's sort of more okay if you have a bit of a shitty website because the person who's landing on that website is probably already a reader and they're not usually going to become less of a reader just because your website's a bit shitty. But it is part of the the branding package that you're presenting to the world. And so if it looks outdated, if it's super cluttered, if it's giving off like error messages and the readers think, well, you know, this website's going to infect my computer or something, that is not usually going to be part of the brand that you want to present. So, yes, so <laughs> amateur packaging is, is a big deal and, and it's tough because sometimes you can't see it for what it is. And sometimes you need someone on the outside to say this the packaging isn't working and a lot of times people don't want to be that person because you know I never want to be that person because um, often authors aren't uh, the best at accepting that kind of criticism and you know it feels a bit shitty if you, you know people pop on forums and they say I really want some help you know this book isn't selling and you say well look the cover isn't working and then they go well what are you talking about this cover is brilliant it took me hours to do and that's yeah that's kind of how it goes um so you know, people who try and help you get get pushback, and, and this tends to happen the most in this um, this amateur packaging section. So we've talked about the three big mistakes that authors make with branding. So how can you fix these mistakes? It's pretty simple, really. So you, it all comes back to what is your brand and what is your brand trying to do. You've got to remember that your brand is the promise that you make to your readers and that you don't get to define your brand, the readers do. But you do have control over all of the different components that go together that make the brand. So if your brand is not working, you need to figure out the components that, that are letting you down. And sometimes it's all of them. Uh, and sometimes it's one specific thing. Um, you've got to figure out what other components that are leading you down. And, you know, you've got to go and sort it out. If you're not selling books um, because your cover, your covers aren't working, you know, they're, they're too amateur looking, um, then you need to get new covers. And that's got to be your, your kind of your big priority. You know, if your books need um, better editing, um, sometimes this means that you can, you know, you save up a bit of money, you hire an editor, you know, you re-edit the books. Maybe you re-release them, 
new editing, new covers. If the problem is that your brand is diluted with lots of different types of offerings, then you can think about how to you know, work around this with um, different pen names. You can um, sort of uh, unpublish um, some of those those books that aren't you know that aren't working for your brand. You might like to republish them under other pen names. Some authors uh, that I know. Um, who, for example, had started off with this kind of like scattergun approach uh, and then want to refine their brand later on, what they will often do is have like a throw, what they call like a throwaway pen name. So this is their pen name where they want to keep stuff published, but they're not going to like promote that pen name as, you know, as a big, as a big deal. Um, and then they're going to have another pen name, which is more like their professional pen name, and that's going to be super on point with the branding and then all the other stuff that doesn't fit is going to go on that other pen name so it still becomes it's still you know out there it's still published um they can still feel happy about those books that they've created um but they don't have to focus on promoting them and they don't have to worry about them impacting um their their current brand so that that's one thing that you can do um you know, the other thing you might just like to unpublish things and just leave them unpublished. Um, you, you know, if you're splitting your focus um, between a couple of different genres, you might like to separate them into different pen names. Um, and just thinking about future projects that you're doing, and thinking about how to fit those things that you're really interested in into your existing brand in a way that it's going to get your audience who you know your already excited audience excited about those ideas and I talk about this a lot in my book and in my course um, about how to do this and this is the approach that I like to take um, which is where you know so like so for example I have always wanted to write cozy mysteries always I don't want to have a new pen name because I already write you know six eight books a year I don't want to write any more bloody books <laughs> um so I don't want a second pen name that I have to manage um but I really wanted to write cozy so what I did was I combined the formula of cozy mysteries with um my own genre which is paranormal romance and I wrote um you know effectively paranormal steamy paranormal mysteries and they did very well and so that's one thing that you can do. You can kind of take the elements out of the thing that you're excited about and shove them into your existing genre. Obviously, it's not going to work for everything, uh, and you may feel like it's too much of a compromise. You actually want to do the, the thing fully, um, but there is a way to go. And then the third thing is that if you feel as though you're falling behind in your genre and your brand isn't isn't keeping up with what's you know what's big and what's what's hip, what's hip with the kids, uh, then you know obviously you've got to you know start studying the market, start keeping your eye on on things you know where everything's going, and, you know and start thinking about just thinking about your brand, thinking about your future projects really strategically. Yeah, so that's really. All I want to say about branding today, I think. If you didn't already know, um, you will probably know by now, uh, that I have just launched a, a really cool free, completely free email course um, called How to Plot Your Book in 10 Days. And it is exactly what it says on the tin. It is 10 lessons that are delivered 
by email, and each one is about a different element of plotting. And at the end of the 10 days, you should have the plot of your next book, or your first book, sussed. The idea of the course is that it's kind of set up so that no matter what type of plotter you are, whether you are, you know, you sit down that um, by the seat of your pants, you know, discovery kind of writer into the spectrum, which is where I sit, or if you're more of a super organized, have to have a detailed outline plotter, McPlottystein, at the other end, uh, then it's going to be really useful. So the course is available on the Rage Against the Manuscript website under the, the Free Stuff tab. Uh, it's called How to Plot Your Book in 10 Dates. And I so would love it if you signed up and you told me how you found it and you know how, how it's helped, if it helps you move forward with your plot. Um, I'm really excited about this course. You know, I really wanted to give you guys something that was going to be really useful and it was going to be free for everyone. And, you know, yeah, I just, I really want to know how you're finding it. Um, and yeah, I would love it if you come join us because we're having a heap of fun writing our novels. Um, via email and uh yeah uh so that that's probably all for this week um this is being stiff i've been chatting to you about branding for your author business and yeah if you want to find out more pop on over to the rage against the manuscript website um or come and join us in the rage against the manuscript facebook group that's all from me this week happy writing